One of the biggest metrics for tracking extreme weather events that impact our country is quantifying them as billion-dollar disasters. Earlier this week, NOAA announced that seven separate billion-dollar disasters have occurred so far in 2023. Every month of the year so far has had at least one disaster, ranging from winter events to tornado outbreaks. We are going to take time during this episode to break down each one and how they set up their regions for the rest of the year ahead with more of the severe season still ahead and tropical season looming around the corner. So hello, weather geeks. You may have noticed that I am not Dr. Marshall Shepard for this episode. Uh, This is Heather Zahns, one of the producers on the show, and I'm joined today by Todd Boric. Todd, if you want to introduce yourself, I know you have done a couple of Weather Geeks episodes in the past, but just for those who are newly joining us. Yeah, I, I'm a, also a weather producer with you. I've done on-air work. I'm basically a hybrid where I do them both, had some background in local TV, and now I've been working at Weather Channel since 2015. So it, it's always fun. I, I like in this call from you because this is, I know you're saying a lot of people that the, this is a bit of a uh, change, what they're normal, uh, what they're used to, but this is a really interesting topic that yeah. you brought up because like you said, severe weather season, we haven't really finish that. And we still have hurricane season ahead. And yet this has been a very devastating year so far. Yeah. The fact that they, they are, they announced that there are seven different disasters, but five out of the seven are all severe related. Um, and they all occurred between the first week of March and then halfway through April. So it's been, I mean, I was going to say it's been a very busy, severe season, but also like our winter season, we had so many tornadoes occur in like January and February. Um, like I can't think of any like specific um, impacts off the top of my head, but I just remember we are we are currently at like a record pace for overall tornado reports for the year. And it's only the second week of May. Like <laughs> what's fascinating, if you think back in January, from January to February, just for the severe reports, the first week of January, I, I think the uh, we had a mini outbreak right on the 2nd of January. Yeah, I'm pretty and sure. And there was only one week of all of January and February where we did not have any reports. as the last week of January and the first week of February, basically that one week. And then we went right back at it again. So it's almost as if that fall severe weather season never really ended. And yeah. we went right into 2023 severe weather. And uh, it's amazing that you think of last week was probably one of the quieter weeks we had. And here we are in in late April into early May, and it actually was pretty quiet that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I know it's it was crazy because I now that you mentioned the that break in the reports, I remember it, I think it was like seven weeks in a row of like enhanced risk from the yes, SBC yeah. or something, um, which is crazy, especially during the winter season. And then, as you were just mentioning, like a couple weeks ago, or was it just last week that we didn't have very many tornado yeah, reports? It's funny, they, they, they all blend together, but it was I Monday, know. Tuesday, Wednesday last week where it's just nothing. And we had a, yeah. but there was a trough in the east. So we had persistent northwest flow. Right. And it really cut off a lot of that severe stuff. But then again, even by saying that, we still had that tornado that hit uh, Virginia Beach. Oh, and and we had a tornado that hit uh, West Palm, West Palm. Uh, Beach, Florida. So even mm-hmm. though it was, synoptically not the best severe weather setup we still had tornadoes hit cities yeah it's like mother nature will always find a way to like cause destruction or whatever yeah or it's just like you know the atmosphere is always trying to be in balance and Mm -hmm. like basically weather early severe weather is like the imbalance of that but there are just like little pockets of imbalance that you know, pop up where it's just like though this one area like southern florida in that moment around west palm beach or whatever that one area and 
you know, also if that tornado would have touched down in like the middle of the Everglades, like, you know, it wouldn't have been as absolutely impact. And then same with Virginia Beach. If that was just, you know, a couple miles offshore, it would have just been a nice picturesque waterspout. But unfortunately, it's just kind of where the tornado set up, which is a couple of the tornado or at least the uh, tornado events that are included in these billion dollar disasters, which we will get to that. Some of them may not have been big tornado outbreaks, but it's just where they hit. That's exactly um, it. Yep. And who they hit um, is kind of the the crux of how they became on this uh, notorious list. So we're going to kind of do it in chronological order. So if you uh, if you are a weather geek, odds are you may have already known that this list existed or that there were the seven of them that were announced. So I'll go through all of them really quickly and then we'll break down each of them one by one. So January through March, there was California flooding. February 2nd through the 5th, there was a Northeastern winter storm and cold wave behind that. And then we had severe weather events uh, the first week of March. uh, Or, okay, I'll do it this way. Like the March 2nd through the 3rd. And then we had another severe outbreak the 24th through the 26th. And then we had the biggest outbreak of the year on March 31st. And then we had two other billion-dollar disasters that were tornado outbreaks, April 4th through 6th, and then April 15th. So, uh, again, like I said at the beginning, a lot of severe, which is, you know, prone to happen. Um, but we will get started with early in the year. I know it's only the second week of May and there's already so there's already five separate um, severe events. So we'll get started right off the top with the California flooding. And actually, Todd, you and I did an episode. We did like the halfway point through winter. I did. Yes. It was like in January, I believe. And we had mentioned the California flooding back then because it had started during Christmas uh, of last year. And basically the entire state of California, like just hit their water year, like average. They were like, okay, we're good. <laughs> like we don't need any more rain. We're cool. Yeah. And, then- and remember too, that's coming off an exceptional drought that they had yes. in the fall. So they, the entire state was at the very best under a severe or exceptional drought. It was horrible. And then they just had that weather whiplash. So we went from an exceptional drought, which is the highest rated drought you can have, to the fact that they are now looking at reservoirs that are almost at full, yeah. at, at a full pool. And we've had all that rain in uh, it really, it's amazing how fast they went from a drought to fine. The problem is too much rain too soon with how many, I, didn't they have something like 31 atmospheric rivers all across yeah. the West Coast? Yeah, I remember, I'm, I think it was Scripps that tweeted out the graphic of just like how many different atmospheric rivers like made landfall uh, across the West. And I think you may be right, but in the 30s, I, I definitely know it was over a dozen. There yeah, were it, so it was many. hard to keep count because it I just know. was one after the other after the other. Yeah, yeah. And they had like multiple, there were multiple tornadoes there. I know there was mm-hmm. a tornado in like Los Angeles that occurred during this time. And like, it's it was such a wild um, time. And like, I look back to the last time, or at least the most notorious one in my mind was when the Oroville Dam um, broke yes. and flooded like the whole city that was like downstream of it. I'm glad that we did not see some sort of like major disaster in California. Like obviously like there were people who died from like flash flooding, there were landslide issues, all of that. But I'm glad that there was not some overall like 
just insane disaster that we had to cover because that would have just been heartbreaking. Like, I'm glad this has been mostly a beneficial um, yes. event. Uh, and then not even just the amount of rain. We also have to talk about how much snow oh, kind of came with that because that is heat. that's like the best part, honestly, like yeah. when it comes to drought relief. Because that is a it, that is a reservoir. When you think of the the uh, Yosemite and the uh, snowpack up in the Sierra, that basically is your bank account. So yeah. you have all that rain that is just uh, sitting up there. It's got to eventually melt. And now the problem, yeah, melts too fast. You're going to run into flooding issues. But that snow melt will play a big role into the dry season uh, that will eventually come because we are starting to exit out of a rainy season, uh, typically anyway, in mm -hmm. Southern California. Obviously, they had a lot in a short period of time, but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays into the upcoming fall season. Also, how El Nino plays. Are we going to have a weak El Nino? Are we going to have a, a, a strong one? Does it even verify? Because there's been some El Nino predictions that have busted, but it, either yeah. way, it does look like we are heading toward that. So that plays a role into what we're going to see precipitation-wise for the West Coast. But it, it has just been like a fire hose from I January know. to March out there. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely, like, obviously it hit the metric for being a billion dollar disaster with just how much, but it also spanned over between January and March. So it was kind of this long like long-term disaster. Um, but like I said, there are a lot of positives that we can glean from it, but I hope that I've, I've been seeing some like graphics, like circulating on social media about like just how the um, like snowpack levels are like slowly coming down. Thankfully there have been some areas that are a little faster than others, but overall it's not that bad. Um, all things considered. So that's good. Um, so let's move on because I know we could talk about California forever. Which, which is actually funny, too, because with California, this sets the stage for everything that happens downstream mm -hmm. with the severe weather. Because if we have all these atmospheric rivers, that shows the jet stream is playing into the role of having a trough out west and some ridging out, out to the east. And that's what sets up all these severe storms that happen subsequently. Yeah. Yeah. So the next storm that happened was... Uh, the northeastern winter storm slash cold wave that occurred oh, yeah, just yeah. after Groundhog Day. Um, this one, I had to do a little bit of research on it just because we had that other um, like when I saw the word cold wave, I assumed it was the one around Christmas time. Oh, that, that's right. Yes, like, that was I, I thought it was that one. I was like, no, that was back in like December. So I had to do a little bit more research. But this was um, like kind of an early February ice storm for parts of the south. And. There were people that, you know, when we started forecasting, you know, like an ice storm in Texas, people were like, oh, no, not like a few years ago when people were out of power for like weeks. Um, like, it's not going to be like that again, is it? And we had to stress to them, like, no, the setup is different, um, but you shouldn't take it any more like any lightly, any more lightly. What? Um, any less lightly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> any well, less yeah. lightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go with that. Yes. Um, yeah. You got to still so, take it as seriously. Yes. Right. Exactly. Because we see this every year with um, hurricanes where it's just like, oh, I lived through X, you know, category three plus hurricane, you know, like I lived through Andrew, I lived through Ian, I lived through whatever, like I'll be fine. But every storm is different. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, this storm uh, still took eight lives um, and there were nearly half a million power outages across the south. Um, and then when it swung into the northeast, 
they had some of the coldest wind chills that they've seen in like decades in some yeah, of these we're, places. We're talking 50 degrees below zero. And, and yes. what's what's shocking about that is, let's be honest. I mean, you and I are from up north. Uh, you're from Wisconsin. I'm from Michigan. Mm-hmm. February is brutal yeah. anywhere in the northern states. But there is a point in which even the most hardened folks that are in, used to very cold winters, when you're dealing with those wind chills that are below zero, I had uh, w- back in... I won't, uh, I'll date myself, but back in the, the 90s, uh, I was at Michigan State and they had to cancel classes because of wind chill. We mm-hmm. had wind chills that was 40 degrees below zero. This is even colder than that. And I think a lot of times, particularly when you're up north and it gets cold, going back to what you're mentioning before, oh, I've been through that before. Oh, I'm from, I, I'm from the north. I'm used to cold. No, th- this is cold that can kill and kill quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's something where I think a lot of times people may not think about, especially if your power goes out in this oh, yeah. time. Yeah. It, and it can go out for a various number of reasons related to the weather. And then you're just like, well, crap. Like I thought I would be okay in my cozy house with mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, with my TV on or whatever. And like, oh crap. And like, now what am I going to do? Um, and I feel like also looking, you know, even farther ahead, I feel like the, the rate that we we will see cold events like this as billion dollar disasters are going to get less and less just with how our climate is changing. Mm-hmm. Like I know also in a changing climate, it's mainly just more like you see the extremes, like both ends of the spectrum where you'll see like really severe heat events and really severe cold events. But in the general, in the overall, it's going to be a lot harder to get events like this. And when they do come, you know, like less people are going to exactly like less people are going to be as accustomed to it, to how cold it is and it'll catch them off guard. So um, I can see why this um, hit the threshold for a billion dollar disaster um, after I was doing more research on it. Yeah. I, and again, a cold is just one that it always sneaks up on you because when you think of disasters, it's always the landfalling hurricane. It is the uh, EF4, EF5 tornado hitting a, a town. Mm-hmm. It is a, even go for a duration. Uh, yeah. it, it is always some type of wind or water event or something or flooding. But yet the cold is something, again, that you don't think of until you're in the middle of it. You lose power and you don't have a generator or you do have a generator, but what do you plug in or whatever the case People aren't prepared for it. And then um, being a big animal guy myself, I always I always think of the feral cat colonies and the animals are left outside, you know, and the cold. I always hate seeing that because they're always they're always are animals that are out. And I, and I can't help but always think about that stuff, too, when I see these brutally cold temps. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like growing up in the Midwest and it was like you had to kind of punch the your the hood of your car if oh, there's like a cat sleeping in there. Yeah, yes. No, if there's a cat sleeping like oh, the under cat, the hood right. of your yes. car. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, like it just in case, you know, like it's warm in there. So they're yep. going to be in there. So you want to like- they will, they will find that little warm, uh, ex- that warm engine. You're absolutely exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I've- I still like, even though we live in Atlanta now, like there's very oh, rarely ever it. a need for yep. that. <laughs> it's like, I, I, think, the same thing. I think about it. There is a, a stray cat <laughs> who lives in my apartment complex. He would appreciate that. <laughs> um, That's funny. So now transitioning to severe weather. Um, the first March 2nd through 3rd was our first kind of severe billion dollar disaster. Um, kicking off the season strong, or at least the official quote unquote um, severe season. Um even though the year had started with so many tornadoes, but this was like a bona fide, just big storm. It wasn't like, 
one unfortunate supercell that kind of roamed across oh, the state or system, something. Yeah. This was a this was a doozy. It started as a snowstorm in Arizona and then it swept across the central states with the severe weather and then it clipped the Great Lakes states with some snow and while it was doing that, it was setting an all-time it was setting all-time low pressure records across the lower Ohio River Valley. So this Amazing. we tend to see pressure like low pressure records like during these transitional uh, seasons um, between like spring and fall. But especially when you get it like that in the lower Ohio Valley and it's not a tropical entity. Exactly. Yes. That's where you're like, whoa, this this thing was a beast. Well, what's amazing, too, and, and we're going to be covering this whole thing, but this all plays back to when you look back at the atmospheric rivers. If you track the last four months and you and you say, all right, all these outbreaks that we're going to be talking about. One thing you'll notice is that the predominant jet stream pattern was trough in the West. You'll have somewhere uh, the trough axis will be somewhere around the four corner states. And then you'll have it tracking up through the Texas, Oklahoma panhandles and then up through the Great Lakes. And what's fascinating is that, so this is the pattern when we go through all these uh, sphere storms and these uh, severe outbreaks, you'll notice that a lot of these storms will be in around the plains. But this also plays a role in the snowfall. Places like Detroit, Chicago, below average snowfall this year. Mm -hmm. Minneapolis, Duluth, uh, Bismarck, all well above average snow because of the storm tracks that took that trough ridge um, that that basically the pattern I said from the uh, the four corner states up to the Great Lakes, and but that's what that's what kept these severe storms around because it kept it was it, the the systems were able to tap into the Gulf of Mexico moisture. You had the cold, dry air coming in from Canada, and it just unfortunately we never got into the fact of seeing a lot of that um, trough out to the east, and so yeah. places like Atlanta and Charlotte had um, and up over toward Baltimore had the warmest starts of the year. Because mm-hmm. of that same pattern, we've just had, we're constantly in a ridge on the eastern side of the United States, but that opened the door for all this uh, severe stuff that happened early on this year. Yeah, exactly. And we will get to the other severe events after the break, talking about basically the fire hose of just disturbances rolling across the country, causing a lot of severe weather. So we'll be right back after this. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. And welcome back to the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm producer Heather Zanz, joined here today by Todd Boric. Um, Marshall Shepard will be rejoining us next week. Uh, we just had a episode snafu issue, but we figured it was a good idea or a great topic to talk about the uh, report that Noah released, kind of showing that we've had seven billion dollar, seven separate billion dollar disasters so far this year, um, mainly with severe weather. So this gives us an opportunity to kind of recap how our severe season has been so far. Um, And, you know, we still have the month of May to get through pretty much. Um, So there's still more severe weather down the pipe. Um, But the next event that we want to talk about is uh, the tornado outbreak during March 24th through the 26th. 
And if you don't know the dates, you'll probably remember the name of the town that was hit, uh, Rolling Fork, um, Mississippi, which was hit during that time. Um, Dr. Greg Postel and I did a, uh, we did a Weather Geeks episode kind of just recapping this whole event because it was such a disaster. Um, it was like all the ingredients going into it. We knew it was going to be, you know, a severe weather potential day. Um, we saw the tornado emergency get issued. We like saw everything happening in real time. We saw insane debris signatures, velocity signatures. It was just such a, an honestly horrifying day, um, especially to just be so helpless on the other side of the radar, basically. Um, you know, we're just sitting there just being like, oh my God, is this really happening? And you, you know, Todd as well, cause you do a lot of severe weather tracking. Um, when you may see like a really good or like a really well-defined velocity signature, but it's when you see the correlation coefficient and yes. you see all the debris, that's when the, if you know, your heart goes into your stomach type of deal where you're like, oh no, now this actually hit someone, something and there's um, something in the air that is not rain. And that, that's uh, a lot of times when we do that, we, we're tracking a storm. You go to velocity mode and you'll circle a couplet. And then when you flip over to correlation coefficient, that's that's hard to see when you are looking at that. And uh, again, based on the colors we're having, but the, the one I like to use, the, the palette I like, like to use is red where everything, all the raindrops are red. But then when you see something that isn't there and it matches right up where that couplet is, and that's when you sit back and then you run to a uh, Google map and you try and see, all right, mm. what is this thing moving through? Is it is it a forest? And when you, it, when you see a town upstream or downstream, or when you see that a town is there, that's when you start thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, there's, there's obviously things, that, hell is happening right now. And that is yeah. just, it, it's horrible to see that especially when you can see it coming and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And it's also heartbreaking when this like um, with, at least with the radar um, program that we use, you know, it's a little bit behind in terms yeah. of like real time radar. So when you see that, you know, that what has just occurred or what you're looking at has already occurred about five minutes ago. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh man, like these in that span of time for us to get that new radar image, these lives have already changed forever. Yeah, um, and, and, th and this cell has moved on. And, and the National Weather Service has yeah. the real time. So they're the ones that are looking at it in real time. So it's not like this for everyone. But for us, it, it's from our side of it, from the media, you, you're seeing that. And so when you do track it out and you see, let's say, the storm, because th that tornado emergency came out, I believe it was like 8.05 yeah. local time. So like uh, the sun was setting, but yeah. yeah. And so um, when that was issued, that tornado emergency was right about 8.05. And so when you're scanning and you start to look ahead to cities, if you see where the cell is and you track it out and you see the track is 8.07 and you're thinking that's by the time those words are out of my mouth, that cell has already moved through. And if it matches mm -hmm. up with our, the correlation coefficient, there's something in the air, then you know that this thing's tracking through something. And that's, that's the hard part because as meteorologists, you and I both know when when we see a lot of this stuff. We're weather enthusiasts and we're meteorologists. And we, we, when we see this stuff on radar, there is a fascination to it. But then the other side of it is there are human lives here and that there are structures and there are things and there are farms and there are animals and all this. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where it's so hard 
to see this happening because in real time, something's happening that is just horrible that we can't even imagine. Yeah. And what was also so devastating about that, that entire evening was because Rolling Fork was kind of the first, I mean, it was the first city to really get struck, but then we couldn't, we couldn't dwell on the past. The supercell tracked pretty much across the entire state of Mississippi into Alabama and it hit other communities like Silver City and then Amory. And I just remember like, especially the, I don't know the exact distance, but the distance between Rolling Fork and Amory is pretty significant for the same supercell to have such a strong velocity signature, both when it hit Rolling Fork and then again when it hit Amory. The thing, the fact that the supercell maintained itself so strongly in this environment that it was in was uh, unprecedented, really. I mean, it is, you know, mid to late March when this event happened. So it's not completely out of the question that it would happen. But when you actually see it with your eyes, you're like, wait, this was just one storm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, and again, that's just that devastation, how it just absolutely ripped through and and did not, it sustained itself for so long. And if you look at tornado reports and you look at it climbologically, it begins to ramp up obviously in March, but then April, May are the peak. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this was happening and we still had more time to go. And you you keep thinking this, this was in late March, the 24th or 26th. And yet this just opened the door for more to come, but it just, it's sad because it was such a devastating fact so early in the severe weather season. And you just knew that more was on its way. Yeah. And then speaking of more is on the way, um, the next billion dollar disaster on the list was March 31st through April 1st, which was only a week after the previous event had just occurred. And it occurred over the like similar areas. I remember Mississippi was at least under a moderate risk at the time. Um, But this outbreak on March 31st was the first high risk of the year, first and only so far. Um, and there were two separate areas. Yeah, there exactly. Was one north the, and the south. Uh, yeah. Northern end and southern end. Yeah. Yeah. There was the mid-south section and then like a Iowa Midwest section, um, which was wild to see one. I'm pretty sure that was a record at some point. I, it's it's getting late in the evening. I'm not sure. But the fact that <laughs> yeah. SBC yeah. was confident. We went deep in the bullpen to get us out here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the fact that SBC was confident in not just one, but two separate areas for high risk, which is the highest risk that they can issue, um, the fact that they were confident enough to do that, and both of those areas pretty much verified, um, which we will talk about, um, was staggering. Um, but it also really helped with communication, um, the fact that they could kind of get this, get the heads up to everyone that this is going to be a, probably, it probably will stay as the most uh, the most devastating severe event of this year. Yeah. And because it was so widespread, I mean, we already had what PDS tornado watches popped out there. So the potentially dangerous situation, that's another one of those. When you see that on a watch, that means that they are bank, they're they're taking their life savings. They're putting it all on red saying this is going to happen. They feel very confident. And then it's just how how many cities were it wasn't just the areas, but you're talking places like Chicago and Little Rock and St. Louis. These are all areas that we're all at least under a, a um, enhanced moderate or high risk during mm-hmm. that time as well. So we were talking millions of people that were completely under this. And uh, that's why it was so scary going into that day. Yeah. And it wasn't even just that everyone was under a tornado risk. It was like cities like Chicago and St. Louis were also just like 
for just severe weather in general, like yeah, a strong wind, wind event. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So um, the kind of the outbreak began. And I remember this night so vividly because I remember I worked like 10 straight hours or something, but it started really early. Um, like the first bigger city that got hit was Little Rock, got hit by an EF3 tornado. Um, I think it was around three or four o'clock because I remember I was just getting ready to go into work. Um, but it was pretty early, but obviously very devastating considering the metro it hit. And it was also worrying because you're like, oh, man, we know we still have a lot of night left to go. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of the and the a lot of the uh, instability that's just ready to get tapped into. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah, when you're not even hitting the peak afternoon and you know that everything's it just again, that whole setup. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was that hit on a Friday. And so you and I are somewhat on opposite schedules. So that means if it was affecting you, that means that must have been a day off for me. But I remember <laughs> I was on standby because I had to work an overnight for that. That's right. Um, but that was, again, you're, at that time, I think it was uh, 114, 115 tornadoes on that yeah. Friday alone. Yeah. And and it didn't even stop there. Like the a lot of these outbreaks, you, you know, usually like the the bulk of it happens on one day, which this one did was on March 31st with, as you said, like over 114 or 15. But then on April 1st, the whole system was still really energetic. And we kind of saw that going in, um, or at least the day before, but we were obviously so focused on like day one, but we saw day two's outlook from the SBC was like a really large slight risk area for the Northeast. And we're like, oh, this is like a really populated, obviously like this, these are really populated areas. Um, so if this thing still has a lot of wind energy energy with it, it can cause a lot of damage. And it did. Um, it spawned a uh, EF3 tornado in Delaware, which killed someone. Yeah. And people are like, you're telling like an EF3 tornado in Delaware? In Delaware, exactly. Yeah. You, you don't think that. You're thinking, especially with the eastern coastal towns, you're thinking tornadoes, maybe the strongest one, maybe an EF1, EF2 at best. But an EF3, which, by the way, that was Virginia Beach too, wasn't it? Um, the one that I, recent one. Oh, the one that happened like a couple yeah, weeks just ago. A, yeah, just yeah, before, Virginia yeah, Beach. Yeah. Exactly. Another one where you're mm-hmm. thinking, what is an EF three doing? <laughs> what are you doing uh, over here? <laughs> exactly. It just it makes it makes it boggles my mind how strong and how dynamic the atmosphere was uh, so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that going from between the Little Rock tornado and the Delaware tornado, that was like such a long. That it was like nonstop, like um, it this event ranks third worldwide for producing the most tornadoes in a 24 hour period, only eclipsed by the 2011 uh, outbreak. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I forget the other one. 1974. Yeah. And 1974, which are like at least 2011 is one that I have at least depict memories of. I was not alive during 1974, so I do not know that one. But I, I, I will remain quiet on that. <laughs> I plead the fifth on that <laughs> I one. I was barely but... alive, but I was. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, those are the two years that ever, that you're like, oh, especially with 2011 when you, because oh, a lot of people still were alive that, for that. That is so. like the standard bearer of right. severe outbreaks in the last 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the one that just always, if you're going to talk about one this millennium, that's the one that y- yep. you bring up, yeah. um, which is fascinating, too, because this whole system also had a blizzard on the backside of it. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. you know, that you're you're talking um, in a place like uh, South Dakota, where you had a foot of snowfall. So just to show how 
how amazing this atmosphere was where you had this huge outbreak. But of course, you're going to have to have that cold air somewhere. Right. Back and behind it. yeah, the fact that this was March 31st and April 1st and a lot of these places are seeing a blizzard. Um, <laughs> exactly. And yep. I know you mentioned earlier about how like Chicago and Detroit had pretty lackluster uh, winters, but the Dakotas and Minnesota, yep. Yep. they were like, please stop. Like, oh, we don't need any more it. winter. Yeah. It, well, didn't uh, didn't uh, Duluth, was it their number one? Yep. Duluth hit their number one. Um, I'm trying to remember other cities. At least they were like Sioux Falls. Yeah, Duluth, Minneapolis, and Bismarck. I know yeah. were like the, the three. At least the top five. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. Yet on the flip side of it, below average by quite a bit. And so you're talking about a place like Chicago, you could get lake effect snow. Didn't quite happen mm-hmm. with them this year just because the, the way the pattern was, the storm track was always to their north. So they're always on yep. the warm side of things. But that's why we had these outbreaks where they were too. Because if you look where the outbreak was in terms of this particular uh, system, uh, again, that the high risk was basically, it made sense to the, just to the south of where that jet stream was. And yeah. so it was in Illinois and, and Iowa and and uh, Missouri and uh, b- parts of Indiana. So that made sense because the storm track and the jet stream was basically to its north. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also look back to, and this will probably be like a year end wrap that we'll do eventually, or we didn't have a single nor'easter like all winter, right. um, which is, you know, obviously an aside to what we we're talking about. And we well, no, that's, that's funny, though, because, again, that, that the pattern just didn't call for nor'easter. Yeah, it just never it never materialized. And like, I don't even remember any like models hinting like I never remember no. like anybody like, you know, posting their 10 day model forecasts on Twitter being like, yeah, oh, we're talking about the 70 40. Uh, <laughs> uh, like. I just, I just never saw it. It just never materialized. No. And we talked on air at least a lot about just like how much snow they didn't get in um, the, like the I-95 corridor. Um, and it's just like, we didn't have a really good setup, but then going into this year, we just had the setup for severe. Yep, <laughs> like exactly. it was just, it was wild. So the, the March 31st through April 1st, again, will probably go down as the biggest outbreak of the year of 2023. Um, it was um, quite an amazing system um, and just caused a lot of damage and destruction for miles and miles and miles. Um, so our hearts got to the people who were affected by that. Um, we still have two more uh, billion dollar disasters to talk about. And these ones may not be as um, punchy, I want to say, um, but... If you were in these areas, then you remember them. Well, especially because of some of the areas were affected just a few days earlier. Yes, I was going to say that, like the fact that so that previous outbreak ended on April 1st and then this next outbreak happened April 4th or it started on April 4th in the Midwest. So the places that were just under a high risk like five days ago or five days before are seeing another round of severe weather, like staring them right in the face. They're like, hey. Can you knock it off? Like, yeah, exactly. We're we're still trying to recover. Power outages are still out there, and yet, again, look at the tracks. It's coming from the southwest, north, and east, tracking basically from the central plains of the Great Lakes, Mm -hmm. with the worst conditions in Iowa, Illinois, and Missouri. Right, and uh, I remember that night as well because I worked the one a.m. to five a.m. show, um, and there was were we on that together? 
Um, no, I was with Ray Stajic and Molly. Um, oh, that's right, Ray. That's funny because basically, yeah. anytime there's any time, <laughs> it's either you it, or Ray. I was gonna say if, it, if it's one to five a.m. and we're on, <laughs> the only two people they want to put on that show is Ray and I because we're the only two idiots that decide. Hey, I that will agree to, to that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I am more of like a night owl, like Todd. Yep, so yep, we yep. tend to agree to later shifts and also the fact that we're recording this podcast at midnight um but, <laughs> but, but and, and this is right in my our wheelhouse right, right. It's, 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 yeah it's midnight and i feel like i got another four hours yeah, to go, I'm, so. I'm, I'm still going i got adrenaline but yep. um so uh i remember that night because there was a lot of activity that happened in iowa and illinois like early in the evening um but they were like there's gonna be more um, yeah. like SPC was confidence. Like we just got to wait for that cap. We got to wait for that cap. Um, and it took a long time for that cap to finally burst and like give us more tornadoes. And I remember it was about like three or four o'clock AM when the warnings really started to pop. Um, and then there was one tornado warning or at least say a supercell that tracked across uh, Glen Allen, Missouri. And I believe it was about like 4 AM, um, that, the tornado warning was issued and um, like the confirm the tornado was confirmed and um, killed some people there. Um, and it, it really stresses. I mean, there's two sides to this. It stresses one, the nocturnal tornado threat, which if you're in a risk area, you need to go to, if, if you are about to go to sleep and you know that you're in a severe area or if you're under a watch, you need to be going to bed prepared Yep. One and have a way that the warnings can wake you up um, should this happen. And on the flip side of that, this is early April. So odds are people were a little bit more prepared overall. Like they kind of were sure. like, I mean, they it, would know it that, makes sense because it's the time of year for this to happen. Yep. Right. So I would hope that at least people were a little bit more aware in the overall sense. But then obviously it happened overnight. So a lot of people were not actually awake to probably take the precautions that they wanted to take, um, which was unfortunate. Um, but it was, I think a lot of, or one of the main reasons that this was a billion dollar disaster was because a, the time of day that it occurred and B the fact that it had just occurred after the outbreak of just the few, a few days before. So a lot of the, you know, infrastructure may have been a little weaker or, just like some things that were slightly damaged, getting more damaged um, the second time around, um, especially in like the bigger cities. Like I'm, pre- I know it went through like Chicago again, um, and like other cities around that suburb. So and it was a big hail maker too. There's a lot of hail reports. Yeah, that hail came is out extremely that. expensive. Hail is so so bad. I, 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 again, it's one of those things you don't think of until it starts happening, and then it just starts wrecking everything. And just think of how many cars that are out. Uh, you know, to seeing uh, at least as far as reports go, you don't necessarily need the huge hails, but um, there were reports of excise hail uh, and as far south as Arkansas. So yeah. this was a very widespread, um, covered a lot of square mileage. And so mm-hmm. that's another reason why when you have the tornadoes, then you have hail. And of course, there's always the wind threat. Like you mentioned, if everything's been weakened from past severe storms and then like all of a sudden- Tree branches, get, like yeah, then they, yep, yeah, they just kind of got like, swayed a bit for the first one and then the and then the second one it finally comes down on a power line or on your car or on yep yeah on, like or, or on your house or, whatever, or something that's, yeah, yeah that's it so yeah there's definitely a lot and then i'm also just like thinking back to how much discussion we've had about this and then with the rolling fork tornado where that was just one supercell like just yeah, to yes. stress that it was like 
It only takes one um, yep. to completely uproot your life. Um, and then these other events that we've talked about, I would say it's a lot easier to accrue a billion dollars when it's sure. spread out. Absolutely. Over when, when you're going from the, you know, going from, from Chicago all the way down to Little Rock. Yeah, right. there's a yeah. lot of places a lot that of stuff to hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the last um, billion dollar disaster that we've had so far this year was on April 15th. Um, this was not a uh, like a bona fide tornado outbreak. It was just a, an overall severe weather event that was a double whammy because there were tornadic supercells that went uh, ahead of it. And then it was followed by a QLCS after the storms rolled through. And the main epi- epicenter of this was through Kentucky. Um, there was an EF2 tornado that went through downtown Bowling Green and then an EF3 tornado that went through downtown Paducah, which killed four people. So there there were only 18, and I use only in air quotes here, only 18 tornadoes that were reported on this day. But the fact that two two pretty strong tornadoes rolled through very populated cities, it's very easy to uh, hit the billion-dollar um, metric. And it's so funny because I that's exactly when we're talking a little bit off air about this whole thing, when I, and I know what you're going with the, the only air quotes, because that's how it was reported. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, the first thing it made me think of was the upcoming Atlantic basin hurricane season mm-hmm. and how it's El Nino. And it's going to be a quote below average. That's the forecast at least. And again, we'll see how it verifies. It's going to be changing as we go along, but going into an El Nino, yes, quote, a below average expected hurricane season but all it takes is one because i can tell you another mm-hmm. uh below average hurricane season that occurred during el nino and that was a uh, 19 uh back in the early 90s with hurricane andrew mm-hmm. and hurricane andrew hit late august and that was below average but so going back to what you're saying is that it just all it takes is one all it takes is to hit the the i mean i don't want to say the right place it hit the wrong place at the wrong time yeah and all of a sudden you get a rolling fork all it was one supercell mm-hmm. but it was not in the middle of an open field that hit a town and that's why you don't want to let you you never want to let your guard down even at night when you are under a tornado watch i always say this don't when you think about tornado watches don't think about the day of think about a tornado watch before it happens, when you still yeah. have a severe weather season, what are you going to do in that watch? So when that watch does happen, particularly when it does carry through the overnight, you got to know what you got to do. Don't think about the day of, you should already know where your shoes are, where your helmet is and all that. Yeah. But prepare yourself when you go to bed that this could happen because all it does is take one supercell for all, everything to go completely wrong. And uh, unfortunately, that's, uh, that's what happens to these overnight tornadoes. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, we're recording this, uh, the second week of May. So we still have some, uh, severe season to go through. Um, I know if you're listening to this on the day of, we have SBC outlooks for the next couple of days, um, with potential for severe tornadoes. We're not looking this is not looking like an outbreak, um, standard of anything, but as the past seven disasters have shown, it only takes one. Uh, it only takes um, one unfortunately placed supercell or uh, a hailstorm or whatever um, that can cause a lot of damage to a lot of places. Um, so we will see um, what happens for the, for the rest of the season. And we did mention at the top that we are already so uh, ahead of pace when it comes to year 
the tornado reports for the year. Um, we've already seen so many tornadoes so far. Um, and that number is only going to increase. It can't, can't go down. <laughs> um, we can only see more. I hope we do not see many more. Um, but then we are going to shift our attention to the tropics after this, which you had just talked about as we head into a El Nino uh, year and with a air quotes again, below average um, yep. forecast season. So don't let your guard down. That's the right. thing with. Yep. Yeah. That's so a, that's the one thing that is fascinating to see. And again, all, let, let's say it's below average, but all these uh, tracks just happen to be. To the mm. West or uh, over the Western Caribbean. And then that yep. means that every one of them impacts the United States or impacts land, uh, the Central America or the islands, you know, and mm -hmm. that's so, yeah, just don't let your guard down regardless of what you think when severe weather is happening or there's a watch or you're looking ahead. Just know that you, you got to be prepared, but you prepare now. Don't prepare when it's about to hit you. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is the time you start thinking, all right, uh, we got some severe threats coming up this week. Think about, are you in that threat? All right, well, what what is your plan with a tornado watch? Right. What is your plan with a severe thunderstorm watch? Mm -hmm. And for those that are living on the coast, what is your plan for a hurricane watch or a tropical storm watch? Because that will likely happen sometime in your life if you're going right. to be living along the coast. Yeah, and I just hope that the state of Mississippi is just spared um, after the severe season that they had and how yeah. much work that the EMAs there have had to do um, not even just Rolling Fork, but, you know, when it when that supercell tracked into Silver City and Amory and then just various other uh, tornado uh, events that have gone through there. Um, I just hope that there is not um, some some tropical entity that then makes landfall in Gulfport and like goes up the yeah, state yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, it would just be like, well, what, like, what did Mother Nature do to me? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in Louisiana, a couple of years ago, they just had all those. Oh God! Yeah, that plowed right through uh, Lake Charles and all this. So it's it, it's yeah. the Gulf Coast has really had very tough several years in terms of whether it's a tropical systems or severe storms. Yeah, yeah. So again, uh, thank you all for listening to Todd and I muse about the seven uh, billion dollar disasters so far this year. Um, we. As always, every year, we always do a Weather Geeks year-end wrap-up. So I'm sure we will talk about these uh, systems again when that comes around. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the little little Easter egg episode. Um, and we'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled programming. Um, thank you again, Todd, for joining us or joining me. It's always me. fun, Heather. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.